another episode of Bob Z Uncut Community Views, the podcast where we're going to bring it to you with integrity and respect, plus we're going to keep it 100. I like, I just like saying keep it 100, I don't know why, but um, we, we have a very, we have a very, and I laugh because he's a good friend of mine, we always go back and forth for a little, little banter, but um, we have a very special guest in the house, uh, Mr. Michael Muhammad, and he's, he's always come and help me out. I think it's even public speaking class, political science, uh, any class that I've ever had, he's always come and addressed the class. So, um, are we doing the disclaimer? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're good on the disclaimer. I'm not going to do the disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> I am uh, one that you do occasionally have to disclaim. We're not going to disclaim him tonight, but, you know, even if I did... You know, he's going to say what he can say anyway, so it don't even make no difference. say what I say. And, and we're going to do it how we do it. Okay, so um, Mr. Muhammad, my first question is, what motivates you to do what you do, and how uh, can you take that same passion uh, into elected office? Thank you for your question. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to your audience, um, for the work that you do, um, not just here on this platform, giving communication and vision to the problems of community, but also the work that you do educationally to enhance the minds of our young. I've watched you in capacity of uh, your professorship, and you are a very, very serious man who has the mindset of developing the future for better, so I thank you. To answer your question, I'm motivated by the condition of the people from whom I am raised and whom I love. And when I see the suffering conditions Mm -hmm. and I hear the cries of the people, things that should just be simplistically answered by a conversation, yet people are in dire strays in attempts to communicate with their government. I'm motivated to get engaged and to be participatory in the upheaval and the change that is necessary. And I've been engaged since I was 14 years old on the front line of struggle. And I don't have any breaks in between that time and this. So I take that as a continuation and allow my community service to prepare me for public service. That makes sense. When we look at this super war, and just for, for those of you who are either watching or listening, when you say you have a ward, it's just a, a one number, but a super ward combines ward three and four in the city of Norfolk, and three and four equals seven. I just say all the black people. <laughs> you know, when you look at super ward, that's how they set it up. It's all the black people in Norfolk, you in this ward. With, with you know, a few exceptions, like if you look at probably uh, Ward's Corner or Titustown, that area, and uh, over here in Lammers Point, different areas. But for the most part, the, the, uh, you know, and, and we'll hear, and I asked you this question, but I had to get this out because I, keep, I get so sick of, of them yelling, one Norfolk. Oh. 
You know, it's, it's, it's never been they one. Stole from me. Go ahead. But it's never been one offer. No. I mean, not since the Mayflower or, or no. whatever the sixteen nineteen Jamestown. It's never been one offer. So, I think we can do better. But my question is, um, with respects to the impact on the underserved communities uh, in Norfolk, why should we vote for you again? The disparagement that exists in our communities comes as a result of a lack of commitment, compassion, and connection. Those who serve currently have very little commitment because many are stair-stepping, looking for other opportunities and positions, and we see it by their absentee service during their tenure. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we need the uh, after-commitment. We need those who are really, really concerned and care about the conditions, but we find that most only move in the capacity of a politician. So they say to us, the things that are easy in dismissing the people. So when I come to the table, my history, my record is that I listen, I learn, and I serve. I have a history of service that prepares me for this. Mm -hmm. When you talked about uh, Norfolk, Ward 7, it's interesting the way you put it. I generally tell people when they ask me where's Ward 7, it's everywhere black people live, play, and eat in Norfolk except downtown Norfolk and Ocean View. Mm. When you mentioned Lambert's Point, Titustown, Lambert's Point, Titustown, and Park Place are the only three communities in Norfolk's west side that are picked up in Ward 7. The rest of the west side Mm. is Ward 6, the affluent water front uh, communities of the west side. Norfolk picks up all of the east, south, and degraded west side. In the degraded west side, meaning Park Place and Lambert's Point, the left out parts are in Ward 7. So if you look at the map, it's literally carved on racist lines, Mm -hmm. giving black people what was believed to be the worst land and white people what was believed to be the best land until sea level rise has taken effect. And now they realize that what they had on the west side is not the best side. So they're encroaching now on the east side. Oh, yeah. St. Paul's Quadrant, Military Highway Corridor, and other areas. And that encroachment and gentrification is why you should vote for me, because I'm the only person in this contest that has the strength, the fortitude, and the desire to push back against this white supremacist system, even when it's being led by people of dark complexion and hue that really serve as chocolate icing on a poison white cake. Oh, my goodness. Disclaimer. What you're about to hear is not necessarily those of my affiliates. No, I'm just playing with you, man. I, no, but it's, I it's agree with reality. you. <laughs> because ultimately, if, we I uncut. May, if I may, Professor, ultimately, what you find is that this city and its system is poisoned down to the very last morsel. But the chocolate and inviting icing in 1982, the Norfolk city of Norfolk brought in its first black superintendent, Dr. Uh, Gene Carter, and the city was in glee, the black city was in glee and joy over the coming of Dr. Gene Carter, who gave us believe, achieve, and succeed. But the reality is that Dr. Gene Carter's tenure signified 
the ending of crosstown busing and brought children back to poor and degraded neighborhood schools away from the affluent learning that has now prepared white children mm. for a successful living. And they've done the same thing again. We became so enamored with the idea of having a black mayor after over 330 years of Norfolk that we voted without a conscience. And so now we have representation that looks like us but does not think like us or on our behalf. Well, since you, you mentioned the mayor, uh, as they were saying on my favorite show, Law and Order, you introduced this line of questioning. You <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, really, uh, you, um, the, the, the current city leadership they seem to be at odds with you, and you're not the only one, so it's not a knock on you, but uh, they seem to be at odds with your candidacy. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, n not only are they at odds with my candidacy, but they're erroneously and unlawfully using the city's resources, the city's staffing, and the city structure to undergird their candidate for election. And why they're doing this is because they have, they have selected, mm. been elected by councilmatic vote, a rubber stamp. That rubber stamp gives them the power to take away the ward system mm. that was established in 1989 by the... Uh, Court of Appeals, and then fortified in 1990 by the U.S. Supreme Court, that ward system allowed for equal representation of the districts. It set district voting in place, and the city was broken up into five districts overlaid with two super wards. Right. And so with that being said, when this process of appointment of the current representative, Ms. Royster, was done, it was done by three members representing Ward 7 and four members representing Ward 6, which means that a majority vote from Ward 6 selected, then elected the Ward 7 representative. So we don't have a duly elected or even appointed representative. We have a rubber stamp that is on record having been called by Mr. Smeagol. Let me, let me hold a, you up. A, 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 um, an insurance vote. Right, right. Let me let me just kind of stay on it a little bit, but kind of uh, I guess drift to the point where um, I'm, and I and I wrote. I think I thought about it, and I've never seen the citizens of Super Ward Six protesting or marching for anything. I've never seen. They good. They not. It's, there's no no reason. I'm, I've just never seen it, and I've been doing it all my life. Uh, and that takes me back to the to the one Norfolk piece. And I know you said, but but. Elaborate on that a little bit. Why do you think that they have the Super Ward? Um, I have never heard um, Councilman Riddick say it, but I have heard Miss um, Johnson, she'll yell out one off or quicker than yeah. that. You the boy. And um, I've heard her <laughs> say it. Uh, the mayor says yeah. it. Um, the uh, Angela, when she was um, sitting, one off. And I, I don't know about uh, Miss Ross, I haven't really heard her say it. Yeah. But that mantra is just something that's almost like a um, uh, we show is good in, 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 his, in his house, ain't we? And in, I, in 2004, 14, I'm sorry, I filed a, uh, with the state uh, committee for a political action committee, one Norfolk, and the rap artists throughout the city developed a song under that same title, one Norfolk, our one Norfolk, was discussing getting rid of the administration that exists 
and bringing people together under a collective idea after we have gotten rid of Pharaoh. Now, when you ask that question, the reality is you've never seen them protest. Let's analyze what their backgrounds are. You have Miss Courtney Doyle. Why would she march and protest when her husband is a circuit court judge who sends black men and black women to prison for tens of tens of tens of years? Oh, then yeah, you have yeah. Mr. Martin Thomas. What does Mr. that mean? Mr. Martin Thomas, who's an attorney with the Decker Law Firm, and they extract money from the police, representing the police in issues against the people. So why would he protest? Then you have Ms. Andrea McClellan, who is the wife of the past CFO of Norfolk Southern, a company that covers the city and the area with coal dust and poisons people's lungs and is constantly protest against. And if I may, because you mentioned in your previous broadcast on uh, uh, another show about the gun proliferation in the city. Mm -hmm. But the reality is Chicago, Illinois, one of the most dangerous cities in America, the leadership in Chicago, the activists in Chicago, for many years tried to get a meeting with the CEO of Norfolk, Virginia's Norfolk Southern. And, well, when, and the reason they tried to get a meeting was because they wanted to understand why so many guns were coming into Chicago from Norfolk Southern trains, constantly well, being robbed at the rail cars. There are articles throughout right, the news on right, this. I mean, and so I'm saying that to say, Ms. McClellan, as a family member of that, why would she protest? I, so you have these people. I don't know if I'm going to hold her because, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, I mean. Oh, well, listen, where your I, bread comes from, I, where your bread yeah, comes from. I mean, I, I get it, but let's, let's move on. Let's yeah. talk about something else. Uh, gang violence. Gang, gang violence. violence. All right. Uh, and I've always said, and you heard me say this, is that, um, and I'm old school, and if my mother pulled out some butter and some flour and some vanilla extract, you know, and a couple of eggs and some milk, and she whipped it all together, and she put it in the oven uh, for 350, at 350 degrees for 25 minutes, I know it's going to be a cake. That's right. So why should we be surprised? Everybody's acting surprised that it's a cake. You know, if you put the ingredients in there, you put it in the oven, it's going to be a cake. So you're saying... I'm saying to have guns, to have drugs, to have poverty, to have crime. If you put them all in a concentrated area, so if you go into a community that is already fractured and destabilized, and then you further destabilize the people by moving them out in a sudden manner and not giving a stable environment for them to go to, unfamiliar environment, causing further fraction and problems, you're right. You're not only baking a cake, but you are also wholesaling cake. And so mm. what you're doing is you're setting the people up for failure and clearing the land so that the wealthy can come in and extract the land from under the feet of the poor. When you look at the St. Paul's Quadrant, uh, Tidewater, Youngs, and Calvert, while we talk about residential communities in poverty, what we have failed to talk about is the fact that these people have Speaking been there for generations, and having been there for generations, they've, ex they've had loss of life, property, all types of the interactions that go. So when you extract people in an all of a sudden manner mm. from that type of environment and you don't give them a stable environment to return to, you're setting the stage for failure, but you're also taking the high-line areas that are not prone to flooding in the city and you're giving them over to the potential for wealthy 
white people to move now from the west side to the east oh, yeah. side and allowing black or leaving black people with nowhere to go in the city. Mm-hmm. And then you have the issue that comes along with that. If you go down Brambleton Avenue towards Hampton Boulevard, look how beautiful that corridor is near Santerra Hospital and that complex and those right. tall and beautiful buildings and the retirement community that the wealthy, affluent, white West Side community has there at Harbor's Edge and much of that built with money that even came in from the city. When you see that type of residential living for their seniors and you see our residential living for our seniors, you have to admit there is not one Norfolk there's not even two Norfolks. Mm. There is a multiplicity of Norfolks because it's determined on not just what you have, but also who you know and what your relationship is. That goes for the courts. That goes for your job. That goes for every aspect of life in this municipality. And that's why I am the best candidate, because I have no desire to be a part of a corrupt system. I want to break it and set it in stone for the people to redo. Very good. Very good. Uh now, I was told that there was a uh, okay, little little background history. I wanted to. I live. I grew up in Huntersville, and I saw. I actually saw a newspaper article that said it was four hundred gym lots in Huntersville, three hundred and some up, right? Yeah, and so I was like, "Well, wow!" And I even looked at my childhood home and that address, and that's one of those lots. Mm-hmm. And so I I started talking to my cousins and. A, you know, a few more investors, and we, we got together and we're trying to do a buy-back-the-block thing. Mm-hmm. I emailed the city real estate office, and they told me that there was a moratorium on gym lots. And I found out that uh, there wasn't a moratorium on gym lots. There was a moratorium on you. On me. Right, that's, that's, what I, that's what they said. Was the moratorium on the gym lots? So you had not been hand-selected right. by one of the council members or exactly. a friend of those who are realtors and various people exactly. in, in government. So, so yeah, yeah so, so there, there was, um, but the, the, the developers are steadily, uh, Barack Park, Lindenwood, uh, you and know. it looks Park, horrible. They're steadily um, buying up and building up, up, up uh, substandard houses. And so what do you think about all of these things as far as um, being able to buy back the block and, and those kind of things? Well, listen, I don't just believe in it. I practice it. We'll talk about that later. But I'll tell you this. Here's, here's where we are. Those gym lots that are non-conforming lots, uh, a conforming lot in the city of Norfolk is a 5,000-square-foot lot, 50 by 100 uh, a non-conforming lot is smaller than that. Usually 25 foot is what they'll allow to be considered as a gym lot. Those lots exist because ultimately you had a lot of homes that had side lots that were basically buildable but not really buildable because it puts too, too little space between the homes. And so they've allowed that because if you return to the vote on council, on the very day, several years ago, when they approved those 300-plus gym lots in Huntersville, the last vote cast was cast by the previous Ward 7 representative, Ms. Angela Williams. And when she cast that vote, she says, I. She said, I vote I. Yay, now I can go and sell some houses. That's what she okay. said on the council record. So when you go through Huntersville... And you see all of those little narrow shoebox houses crammed in between nice 
um, size homes know that the signs in front of many of those homes are representative of the previous council representative. So she voted, they voted, to allow this when before the previous council in Norfolk you had to go and get what was called a special exception or a variance right, to be right. able to build on the gym lot because it was a case by case basis. Well, look, let's let's take a break right there. We're going to get you, but we got to go pay some bills. Let's pay some so, bills. So uh, we're going to take a break with our sponsors. You're listening to Bob Z Uncut Community Views, and we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Michael Muhammad. He's uh, running for Super Ward 7 seat in the city of Norfolk. We'll be back in two and two. Love First Marriage Movement, where we work with couples virtually all over the world to transition from a place of pain to genuine peace and resilience from the inside out. We help them by sharing our own marital rags to marital bliss journey. Check us out at lovefirstmarriagemovement.com. Welcome to Comedic Services, LLC. We provide supportive in-home and residential group home services in the Hampton Roads area, including Williamsburg, Franklin, Zunai, Tuano, and Southampton County. Our offices are located at 2428 Almeda Avenue, Suite 170 in Norfolk, Virginia, and at 601 North Mechanic Street in Franklin, Virginia. Comedic Services, LLC is a commission on accreditation of rehabilitation facilities, CARF, accredited service. Our motto is fostering a culture of service and advocacy for humanity. We are back, and I guess Mike, with our guest Michael Muhammad, running for a seat on the Super Ward Seven in the City of Norfolk City Council race. Um, my next question, um, Mr. Muhammad, is recently, and I was glad as a, as a longtime Ford worker. If you never had a union, you're not gonna feel me on this. I'm telling you, trust me on that. If you, if you never had a union, then you're not gonna understand where I'm coming from. My producer, look at my producer. We longtime Ford Ford heads. So um, the, the question is, um, the, the bill was passed for signing the law by Governor Northam, allowing municipal employees to organize and form a union. I know, because I saw you out there in Park Place, you have been involved in this effort. Uh, how close are we to having uh, collective bargaining for, uh, we called them city workers back in the day, because you know, they had a job. <laughs> they were city workers, but they had a job, and everybody didn't, you know, where I came from. So. Uh, much much respect to the city workers, but That's right. what's going on and um, what's going on with the process? Right, very good. Yes, we've been. I've been meeting with the various union organizers and offering as much support from the position of a candidate. But my commitment, pardon me, my commitment is upon election that I will work vigorously to get a collective bargaining, what is known as a collective bargaining agreement. When people just want fair work conditions, safe work conditions, and fair pay for the work they do, how could you argue with that? Particularly when every member of that elected council right now, if you look at the literature that they use for elected office, they use unionized printing. So right. if it's good for your, the political goose, it should be good for your employee gander. Right. Why not give to the employees the protections that you flirt with in an effort to be elected, to get union support, support and union. support so you'll have poll workers and walkers. If you can use the people from that premise and perspective, 
Why not give that same power to your employee base? You would not be work worried about what they call strikes or work stoppage if you simplistically treat the people fairly. Better work conditions, better pay, and safety. Mm. And under those circumstances, you'll get a better citizenry. You'll get a better product. Wages, benefits, and working conditions. That's what I always and, say. And I, I have to say this, because when you think about the workers in Norfolk, most of the workers in Norfolk work, live, and play in Norfolk. They struggle to pay their bills in Norfolk, but they contribute to the, the tax base of Norfolk. But our highest paying position in the city, nearly 300000 in salary, goes to our city manager slash public safety director who does not even live in Norfolk. So if he lives in Suffolk, mm. and Suffolk doesn't have the crime problems, the violence problems, and many of the other city and municipal problems that we have, then certainly he's not going to see it from our perspective. Why would we pay out that high-wage job and not demand that they live right here in this municipality? You are preaching to the choir on that one, brother. And I used to, when I was working for the city, man, I used to go around looking at everybody and say, well, they didn't go to Norfolk State. They didn't go to Norfolk State. That's, that's the spark in me, man. I'm like, and I look. I didn't go to Norfolk State, but I raised over half a million dollars for Norfolk State as a philanthropist and continue. Indeed, indeed. But if you look at the, uh, the echelon of department heads, department heads for the city, and, and, and I'm not saying you have to, you know, Norfolk State is a prerequisite, you know, but if you, when I don't see but one, you know, Parks and Recreation, when I don't see but one department head that's a Norfolk State grad, then something's wrong. When you're in Norfolk. Something's wrong. Why can't you encourage, you know, even if people are coming down to go to school, and it's your namesake, this is the city of what? Norfolk. Norfolk. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm going to always tout... Um, Talk that school and no. and wonder why that they don't they I know why but if if I may uh, brother uh, professor you you're not only right but you're beyond right Norfolk is a city of many many problems and we have sitting in the center of our city a university which means that it is a school of many schools within those schools we have every societal elk of profession. Yet we can't solve the problems on the campus, around the campus. And we don't use, as a municipal government, our research departments there to, so that they can have the resources to increase the lot of their departments. They go to Old Dominion, they pull research from Old Dominion, but they don't use that jewel. And so now, as Norfolk State languishes and people are circling it, like sharks hoping that they can get that campus and make it a TCC campus because mm. that's what the objective was when they got rid of Dr. Atwater. But with that context of Norfolk State sitting there, what people fail to realize is Norfolk State is the largest voting block in the city of Norfolk and particularly in Ward 7. seven. Because even in Ward 6, there's a fracture in the voted Old Dominion but all of Norfolk State is Ward 7. seven right. So when we look at Norfolk State, we must understand that it holds much, much more than transient students. If you register at 700 Park Avenue, you registered in Ward 7, and you become a voter with power 
and you can enact position. And that's why Norfolk State has to become a better player because I'll say this last thing. When Norfolk State brings 20, 30,000 people in for homecoming and Norfolk takes in tens of, and tens of, tens of millions of dollars in tourism uh, and tax dollars, why is not Norfolk State in a negotiation position mm. with Norfolk to take in a portion of those dollars? Because Preach. they are producing those dollars. So as your council representative mm. and Norfolk State being strategically situated in Ward wow. 7, I will diligently go to work to make sure that the Visitor and Tourism Bureau treats Norfolk State as Norfolk State should be treated. And we will analyze every dollar that comes in as a result of Norfolk State's tourism, and we will return a portion of those dollars to Norfolk State so that Norfolk State will never have to go through what it's gone through in years past. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I found a question. Found a question. And I waited for this one because I'm just, man... Sometimes, sometimes I just feel uh, exhausted, man. I have to go and rest. Uh, I mean, just battle weary, you know. So I mean, it's just it's it's the price of doing business. I understand, but sometimes I get worried. This latest this latest thing, uh, it's been a long-standing policy uh, that uh, when someone leaves office and they have to appoint uh, a city council member to a city council seat then uh, that would be contingent upon them not pursuing the office during the election because it gives an unfair advantage uh, to them as an incumbent. And it, it, it allows um, others, such as yourself, who are running, to be at a disadvantage because, you know, it's just the, the value of incumbency. You know, um, recently there was a letter put out by... Uh, Paul Riddick, he put a letter out saying that the uh, incumbent person should resign and continue the race, and they should appoint uh, somebody uh, at Lightham. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. Like I said, when when I just when I hear these things, it's almost like uh, I told him, I, I say this, and I let you answer the question. I know you you're ready to get at it, but no, when I one of the things I had to I had to I break my son's heart, man. You know, they had. A spirit like me, my my two boys, kind of you know, nice guy, you know, and, and you know I had been through so much. When he got to an age, I had to I had to sit him down and say they're not gonna like you. And it broke my heart to have to break his heart, but I had to let him know, in this world, they're not gonna like you. So don't go up all cheerful and smiling and stuff because it's not reciprocated. And I didn't want to do it. But I know that, you know, I didn't want him to um, take the lumps. Like when I say, it's a hole in the road. It's a hole in the road. And he said, well, well, Pops. I said, no, in the road you're going down. He said, yeah, Pops. I said, but you're going, it's a hole in the road. He said, how do you know? Because I went down that road and fell in that hole. And then I get a phone call probably a couple of days later. Pop. I'm in a hole. Could you, could you come get me out of this hole? And I'm like, what hole? He said, hole that, that, that you went down? And I go get him. But I'll make them wait. But, you know, just those things, bringing it back to that question is just, you know, it's exhausting when you, it's just like, it's, it's like fighting, uh, it's like that rough side of the mountain, man. It, it don't get no easier, never. So what you think about that? Yeah. The analogy that you gave is amazing. And you gave it as a father. 
it's very important to point out that when I'm elected to Ward 7, I'll be the first, I'll be the first parent mm. to represent Ward 7. We've never had a parent. Really? We've All never right. had. Except in the interim period that we had Miss Alvia Green serve mm -hmm. for a brief period. She's the only mother uh, or who birthed children who was served. And then you had Father Green, who was the first black person appointed to Norfolk Council. So it went from Father Green to Don Hester and then to Alvia Green for a short term. And then now, uh, then Miss Graves and now... Uh, the appointment of Miss Royster, none parents. And I'm saying that to say it's very important contextually to understand the problems of the largest section of the city where children live. If over, if nearly 70% of our public school system 70%, y'all. is black, then those children live where black people work, live, and play. That gives you not only the complexion of your city, but it gives you the future of your city. So having a parent gives a better balanced understanding. Now, let me jump right to Mr. Riddick's letter. Mr. Riddick has a 30-year continuity of history. When Mr. Riddick was being elected to Norfolk City Council, I was leading a walkout at Booker T at 15 years old. And He's been going, and I've been going, and we haven't stopped. And that gives us a connectivity of understanding of the conditions amongst the people. So when Mr. Riddick says that this has not been done, then we can guarantee that it hadn't been done. Why? Because he has that continuity of history. He is the institution of that council. And so when you have all of these newcomers who come with their whim and their way. The institutional knowledge is what has fortified this government for nearly 400 years. So when you take institutional principles and just toss them out the window, as they have done with the appointment of Ms. Royster, you're setting destructive terms. So when you have a, a, an appointment and you're talking about this letter, we're really giving the people disservice. You have, you have uh, Poplar Halls, and they're working to force apartments on the people of Poplar Halls. So Mr. Riddick decries an attempt at a vote, and he says on the city council dais, I'm fighting for black people, and I can't get one of the black people up here to stand with me? That's wrong. Then you look at the fact that Ms. Royster has made meetings with the developers for the proposed Poplar Halls development, the proposed Military Circle development, but hadn't met with the tenants at Military Circle or the residents of Poplar Halls. That becomes problematic. These ideas are bigger than an individual who comes along like a crackerjack box in time and pops up because of their connectivity to people of personality. We need someone who has the compassion, commitment, courage to go out amongst our people, talk to our people, get the concerns of our people. You don't have to go and hire peoples first when you're dealing with Michael J. Muhammad because the people trust and talk to me directly. So we work amongst the people, find the condition and the service needs of the people, and we move them towards the idea. But this letter represents the fact that the people don't have a representative. And so when you have someone who sits in meetings and makes decisions 
that are law that are binding decisions. These decisions will bind us for 30, 50, even 100 years in development terms, in dollar terms. And these decisions are being made by a person who the people have not even interviewed. I get asked the question every day, who is this woman? And if Michael J. Muhammad or Bob Z don't know you in Norfolk, Virginia, then you definitely should not have been appointed to a powerful position like that. Because that means you have not matriculated through the hard rocks of this brick city that we have learned that they call Mermaid City, but we know it's Shark City. See, this ain't no easy place to navigate. From neighborhood to neighborhood, from year to year, we know the body count because they're our friends, they're our family. We love and serve these people. And I say we because you and I have walked together. We've served together. We've gone to see about families together. We've fed families together. So we know what the service commitment is. I've watched you take young people from college and put them in business. I've watched you make college students more apt and prone to the political process than anybody else. And I've done the same alongside you. So when we know community, when we know commitment, and we then see someone pop up with an ulterior motive in mind, we have to question it. So I stand with Mr. Riddick. I agree with Mr. Riddick. And I hope the voters will see through the fraud of the rubber stamp vote that was chosen for them, and they will go to the polls on November the 2nd starting September 17th at early vote, but conclude on November 2nd voting Michael J. Muhammad. You think you know me. You don't know me. I'm one of the most intelligent people you'll meet. And you know how you know? Because I've been the brains behind your mayor for many, many years. And those who know, know that I've been the brains behind his operational movements and ideas and many others. And so Mr. Riddick and those who see me, they're saying we're watching, we're listening to see where you go because they know after all these years, it's my time. Give them your website, Mike. Michael J. Muhammad.com. Michael J. Muhammad.com. You've been listening to Michael J. Muhammad, candidate for Super Ward 7 in the city of Norfolk for city council. This is Bob Z, and you have been listening to Bob Z Uncut Community Views. We'll check you out next week. Mm-hmm.